Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, Puviet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today. Ah, oh, this one was a lot of fun with an incredible guest. Professional wrestler Scott Ali joins the show today. The conversation with Scott was tremendous, and we chatted for over an hour, talking a little bit about everything. He's an incredibly genuine human, someone who is interesting because he is interested in life. So we decided to split the interview into two parts. Part one today, June 30th, and tomorrow, July 1st, you'll hear the second half of our conversation. Scott is a pro wrestler in the Hurricane Pro Wrestling League. He performs under the name Tamaku, God of War, a ferocious character that aims to destroy everything and has been a fan favorite because of his stage presence, powerful moves, and most importantly, one cool as hell mask. On today's half of the conversation, Scott chats about the physical challenges that come with wrestling and, and how he's adapted his workouts in order to thrive in the ring. Scott also remarks about the mental challenges and how he gets focused for a match. And lastly, Scott chats about what makes for a memorable show and why he loves interacting with fans. Easily one of my favorite conversations of the year. You'll notice from the jump that Scott is a big fan and advocate of deep conversations. Scott believes that conversations are what we all need to have. I couldn't say it any better. What a perfect ambassador for the show. I'm a better person for having met Scott and having a conversation with him. A thrill for you to meet him. Part one of a two-part episode with Scott Ali, professional wrestler under the name Tamaku. So let's go ahead and welcome Scott, and let's learn. Yeah, nice to meet you, brother. Nice hey, thank you. you for asking me to do this podcast, man. It's a, it's, a, it's a huge pleasure. I firmly believe I'm such a huge advocate of life is about the conversations that you have. And I, and I, and I believe firmly that you have as many of them as you can because you never never know what you're going to learn or who you meet or what kind of vibe you can get. So I think this is so awesome. And really looking at your catalog of people you spoke to, which you spoke to Ryan Moonshine, uh, Moonshine Mantel previously. Um, I was like, wow, I, I'm not anywhere near as special as these guys. But uh, hey, I'll try. I'll, I'll give you my best, whatever I got. I mean, I, I mean, I'm a rad guy. I get that, but I'm not interesting. You know, <laughs> I'm fun to talk to, and I hope that proves to be true. But, awesome, man. This is going to be so much fun. For, for wrestlers, you know, it's not really a sport you play in high school as far as traditional wrestling that you're doing. So what was your athletic background growing up? And when was it that you first found yourself in the ring? Well, you know, so um, as a kid, man, I did martial arts, did a little bit of Taekwondo, some Chung Ji, you know, doing that stuff growing up. Because, you know, as a child of the 80s, I'm 39 years old, by the way. Uh, as a child of the 80s, um, man, Bruce Lee, martial arts films, those 80s action heroes. It seems like every dude knew martial arts on these old school uh, action films. So I wanted to be that, you know. And I grew up watching a lot of wrestling. And, of course, there is no wrestling here. Um, but I played a little bit of football. I did the sports in middle school and high school and a little bit of college level, not much. But um, I grew up mainly with a martial arts background. Um, I, like I said, I'm 39 years old. And I didn't actually start training until I was 34 years old because um, I found myself going, man, Scott, it's now or never, dude. You need to try and do this now. So what was the moment that pushed you over the edge to do it? Well, it. it as a kid watching wrestling, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to grow up and be a wrestler. Well, really, the backtrack, it was either going to be 
uh, first off a T-Rex or Optimus Prime or pro wrestler. And I did the first two. And by 34 years old, I said, man, I got to go ahead and do this pro wrestling thing. Um, but I always had it in mind uh, growing up. I, I guess I have a charisma to me. Um, and I'll touch base on that here in a little bit. Um, and I always had it in mind to do it. But I, I, as soon as I graduated high school, I was like, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And a good friend of mine, um, Brigham Doan, who's also known as Masada on the, on the wrestling scene, he's wrestled overseas and done some pro stuff. Uh, he's like, hey, Scott, brother, yeah, I could get you into it. This is going to be great. But a hardcore scene was really big in wrestling. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, super popular. And I kind of thought to myself, I'm like, ah, I really don't want to go get my head on a cheese grater or fall on thumbtacks or anything like that. So I'm like, time out. I'll focus on my own career. Um, and I always had a mind to go revisit it. And then, you know, I want to keep my body in shape, have that look of a wrestler. I'd always be in the grocery store and someone's like, excuse me, sir, are you a wrestler? Which is such an odd question for people to ask. It's probably because I work out in tights and I go to the gym, I go to the store right after I go to the gym. But, um, and I just thought at 34 years old, if this is something I really want to do, I need to go ahead and pursue it now. So I started training uh, for pro wrestling at 34 years old. Once you started training, I know you already were working out and, and mm -hmm. this was a big part of your life. But what were some of the physical demands that surprised you the most? Man, so it's more than just being a big guy. And of course, wrestling now comes in all shapes and sizes. And there's a character in the size that fits everybody in every demographic. Um, when I started wrestling, uh, you know, if you're familiar with your wrestling terms, shoot, brother, like for real, the shoot weight and height is I'm six foot four, 200, and at the time, 97 pounds, 297 pounds. I'm like, okay, I'm big guy. I know how to move. I, uh, you know, I did martial arts. I did some kickboxing. I was a kickboxing coach at the time. I'm like, I could get in there and get around. Brother, it is demanding. It's easily the hardest thing I've ever done. I don't know what the other wrestlers have said that you've spoken to previously, but it kicks my butt every time and i think the reason why that is it's not just that i could have the athletic burst and i could get up and i could jump and i could do all those things but you know when you look at a wrestling we're, we're like on a mini stage and in a sense it's like we're we're doing live high impact stunt work theater towards a whole crowd so everything i do has to be huge and i have to project and man you know when you're hanging out with your friends or you're doing an interview and you're you're exuding so much personality just kind of wears you out well everything you do is so big hand movements eye movements teeth for me because i'm a big monster you know uh shoot brother i'm a cafe monster but uh it just wears you out so you find yourself within minutes gasping for air so that was a huge surprise for me very interesting. Very interesting. I never took that into consideration because I agree with you. There's times where you put it on, like after a job interview or whatever, or after a party when you're entertaining people, you do get exhausted. And when you add that Absolutely. assertion, that's a great point. How about just in the gym? Did you change certain things to now, now that you have a wrestling career with it? And then will you also talk about how you've changed the philosophy of rest and recovery with that? Well, um, restaurant recovery, I'm still figuring that out a couple of years later. <laughs> um, but, I, you know, I want to, especially in the way that I present myself, because I am Tamaku, I'm the son of the god of war, I'm the, this big, mean character that probably doesn't speak English, but I say a couple words like Cookie Monster in the match, which I always find to be uh, inadvertently funny. But I, I always need to have this big presentation, big. And like, so when I started off, I was, you know, I'm six foot four, 297 pounds. My knees hurt so bad. I'm probably two inches shorter, but uh, I'm 255 pounds just to be lighter and leaner. 
Um, but I still want to keep that bulk and that presentation because everything I do is presentation. I'm never going to be the guy that wows you with what I, I term as spinny leg flippy thingies. I'm never going to do that. So just the simple moves I have to make um, exuberant and loud and ecstatic, you know, get people really excited about it. Um, but, but I've had to do a lot of high interval in uh, high intensity interval training, you know, doing a lot of sprints. Uh, I don't take a lot of rest in between um, reps. Uh, I do a lot of time under tension for my workouts and I don't really focus on lifting big weight. Um, that's been very important. So I could just keep, because when you're wrestling, like I said, you're from the moment you hit that curtain, dude, you are on, you are the yourself at a hundred percent times a thousand because you're just exuding and just pouring energy the entire time. So it gets very tiresome. Um, as far as the, uh, the recovery, I'm still trying to figure that out because I, I don't know how some of these guys wrestle every day or every weekend or whatnot. Um, because I am, it hurts to blink the next day. Uh, and I think it's because I've just, I was at such a high manic state about it. And I'm just so shut down and I scream so much and I yell and I flex and my throat is sore. It was like when I was watching that documentary on journey, which I forget. And, you know, I've got to put a scarf on my neck and drink hot tea all day just to be able to go, Mitamaku, you know, stuff like that. So I'm still trying to figure out the recovery. Fascinating. Well, that's physically. I'm also curious about mentally a couple different things about that. First, uh -huh. you mentally have the confidence to do some of these things. They're, they're intense. They're also dangerous at the same time. So how do you get the confidence? Man, that, that's such a good question, Randall. Uh, in the sense of, uh, I will tell you personally, I am scared to death before every match. <laughs> and we'll sit there and I'll discuss with the guys in the back or get ready. And I know we're going up to the big show and it doesn't matter if it's 40 people or 4,000 people and I'm standing there behind the curtain curtain, and I hear my music playing. I'm like, Oh man, here we go. Right. Cause immensely, I'm not sure. I'm just such a laid back chill guy in general that when I hit this curtain, I have to be this monster that's wide eyed and showing teeth and, and loud. And it's like something else takes over, man. Um, soon as soon as I, I hit that curtain and I, I did it the very first time I hit the curtain and, and fans have told me that they've loved it so much that I do it every time. So I let, as soon as I open the curtain, I scream, I come out and I do this big flex and it just takes over. It's automatic. Um, I can't really explain it because I can tell you right now that as Scott Ali, you could take a random picture of me and I seem to 97% of the time have this stupid look on my face. Like I'm in between breaths, like, you know, but as Tamaku, you will always see me. There's never a bad picture. Where I'm not teeth gnashing, wide eyed, flexing, veins popping. Um, it's just mentally you go out there and you do it. And it's a rough sport, you know, it's a rough sport. It's a rough performance. It's a rough, it's a rough art. So you, you, do you know how, like we make the clotheslines and the punches and the kicks look real? Do you know? They're because they are real. Yeah, because we're knocking the shit out of each other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, there's there's only one way to do it. And of course, there's an art to how you take those blows. But yeah, man, we're we're throwing full speed. Now, with that being said, um, like I wrestled here recently, and um, man, I knew the spot, and I knew the guy was coming at me with this clothesline. So I'm bracing for impact. But in the moment, he's going full speed, and I'm getting ready for it. And uh, nothing, it, it doesn't always go exactly as you plan. And this guy, I, I felt it for a week after that. I could say that, but in the moment, yeah, man, you just go with it. Yeah. 
Well, you've, you've mentioned a few times about it being exhausting mentally. So what about yes. during the week? Are there certain things that you do to, to recover mentally as far as meditation or things to just keep you relaxed because you are expending so much energy during a match? Uh, as odd as it sounds, I always take the very next day off um, just to just to chill and just be as mindless as possible uh, like, like because it is just physically and especially mentally exhausting um therapeutically i'll just go back to the gym the day after and i always say the gym is like my meditation because it's the most mindless thing i could do because all i know is i have to do this for for 10 to 15 reps or whatever it is put it down breathe get back and do it again and to me that is the gym not only just aesthetically or it's not vanity or anything like that it's just the most mindless thing i could do in my day because life is hard and life is so thought-provoking that the gym is just an easy escape music going for that time or is that just pure time for you to think music um yeah music's always going and it really depends on my mood uh and for the most part i apologize for this I've got five dogs, my bad. Uh, my wife and I do animal rescue, and we wow. ended up with five of them. Wonderful. Anyway, so music, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a child of the 80s, and kind of funny little interesting story about that. Like, So when I grew up, my, uh, my mom was a big fan of like um, Frankie Avalon, uh, Elvis, all the oldies, right? So, uh, the big bopper, great balls of fire. Mm-hmm. And I'm growing up with this, so I never heard the music of the time. The day I turned 18, I said, you know, I want to go work the nightclubs because of the movie Roadhouse, and I want to go be a bouncer because this is going to be super cool. And I remember hearing this club music. The only place I would ever hear this music is in the nightclubs. And as I got a little bit older, I realized that Depeche Mode, that Erasure, that The Cure, all this 80s music that I never heard because I didn't grow up listening to that um, was what I was hearing in my 20s. So now it just makes me recall back to that time. So a lot of times, dude, I'm rocking out to 80s. Scott, we have this in common. We have this in common because I grew up a small town, didn't have cable, didn't have MTV or anything like that. So the music I was listening to was the 60s. It was my mom's music. The first concert I went to was Roy Orbison. I did get into into my hip hop phase, but when I get to college, I remember sitting at a bar and and a song comes on and a whole bar is singing it. And I go, what is this? I've never heard this before. And then the the girls or whoever was there was like, you've never heard Madonna like a prayer? I go, this is Madonna? I've never heard, like the whole bar. And I'm like, so I, I relate on that as well. Right. <laughs> right. And you're sitting like, this is, this is pretty good, right? This is like the first time I was in a bar and I heard, um, oh God, what is it? I said, hey, why do you get drink to get drunk? I said, why do you roll smoke? I'm like, what the hell is going on? Why does everybody know this song but me? That's so awesome. I could relate to that. That's By the way, that's my singing voice, and it's, which, which is why I wrestle instead of sing. What a great story. Any other rituals as far as pre-match, post-match? There's one food you got to always eat or look forward to? Um, If anything, I'm probably the opposite of that uh, in the sense of I don't like to eat a lot the day of. Uh, And I kind of did that when I was was kickboxing, when I played football and stuff. I didn't want to have anything heavy on the stomach. Um, And I just stay hydrated. Lots of hydration for that day. If anything, I eat a lot of fruits, vegetables, and – I just like to feel clean for that day, man. I don't even like to have a lot of caffeine, if that makes sense. It does. But yeah, no specific rituals. I'm not, I'll see some guys like just mashing burgers or high protein meals or whatever before the match. I'm like, dude, how? But that's dumb and I respect their space and their decisions. But I never want to be the guy out there that either throws up or lets out a big old fart while I'm out there in front of the audience, you know? What makes for a memorable show? I know you do lots of back to back ones and there's always going to be some that you stick to in your memory and you're like, oh, that night was a great night. So for you, what makes a great show? 
Man, it's it's so much in the audience participation. Um, and that's what I love about wrestling. I, I remember when I first went out there, you go over the moves, right? Sure. And, you, and there's a goal that you have to accomplish. Sure. But nobody ever tells you about what happens in between the moves and how you're supposed to react there and how, like, you know when you can feel that someone's looking at you? You know, <laughs> someone's staring at you. You could feel it from across the room. Now picture that like a, times a thousand. And now everybody's staring at you like, oh man, what do I do? So the audience reaction and their participation, just for them to know it's to boo you in that moment or just for them to uh, cheer you on or it's, it's the greatest feeling. I actually have goosebumps thinking about it right now because uh, that's what makes it really memorable. And all of a sudden, um, I know I've gotten this a couple times because, again, I'm this big, mean monster. And sometimes I'm the good guy and sometimes I'm the bad guy. But the crowd knows exactly what I'm supposed to be. Why not us telling them? And there was this time um, where they just started chanting, uh, Tamaku, Tamaku. And you could hear it, Tamaku. And it starts growing louder, Tamaku, Tamaku. And all of a sudden, you've got all these people chanting it. So I'm in the middle of the ring, 80s reference, like in Bloodsport with Kung Lee. And he's just sitting there pounding his fist in the middle of the ring and uh man they're going nuts and uh i i, I loved it so the more the audience is into it the, the worst thing for a wrestler is silence you know after we do something but if they're into it man yeah i think i remember every single match wow wow i'm fired up even listen to that i know yesterday I spoke, <laughs> a, I spoke with a circus performer yesterday who said something very identical he said a great show was one memories that are created are if i lock eyes with someone whether it be a kid or someone older, and I just have that connection because I'm still performing, I'm still doing my thing, but there's that moment of humanity. So do you try to engage and make it a point to engage? I, um, it, it, yes, more so when I'm the bad guy, right? When I'm, when I'm the heel, because yeah. uh, I'll do something and I want their response, right? I'll do a big move and it's as simple as me. And I could hear where the crowd, where they're cheering or booing me the most and use this for the kids. Cause I've, this is a very kid friendly or kid centric character because I'm this big monster. I remember what it was like to be a kid. So I remember being in their shoes and I will just do something as simple as just walk over and just look at them. Okay. And I'm like, wow, they are just giving it to me right now. And I didn't do anything besides just looking at them and I go like, yeah, yeah. And I'll just put my hand up. I'll just kind of, fluff them off like little gnat go away and then they go they eat it up even more i'm like wow i can't believe this is even happening right now um but yeah it's definitely about that connection now afterwards after the show we'll have at the merchandise tables and sign autographs and do things like that now when i'm tamaku i'm tamaku i'm the big mean war god you know and i'm in the ring and i'm doing things like that but then afterwards when i'm sitting there signing autographs i'm very much this guy and people coming up to me and saying, hey, I love your character. I love your work. Just that one-on-one -on -one reaction is, 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 is just so amazing. And for little kids, because kids are honest. Kids don't lie. Adults lie, right? Okay, I'm sorry. Kids do lie, but not that much, <laughs> as much as adults. But, um, and they're like, you're my favorite wrestler. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much. And there is a segment of our, um, our crowd that comes out. I know I'm rambling along, but there's really a point here. Um, we have uh, some special needs fans that comes out every show and that's always the absolute best and i remember this girl um i think she had downs comes up to me and she's probably in her late teens and she's like you're my favorite wrestler I'm like hey thank you so much mahalo i appreciate it and she goes you're gonna be the next rock and i'm like oh, i could have cried because you know it, and it 
it wasn't just fluff she was feeding me because for her it was really honest so uh that's beautiful uh, interaction that i get to have with these fans not because hey fluff up my big ego you know uh, that i'm that great but it's to them it's a big moment um to them i'm somebody special and really at the end of the day man i'm just scott and i just want to entertain them you know that's that's powerful i love it you mentioned about you enjoy even when you're getting booed, especially being the heel or the bad guy. And it almost seems, when I think of any sport, you need someone to cheer for, but you also need someone to root against. When they work together, it's even better. Everybody loves Stone Cold because you had Vince McMahon as the end of time, or even when he was right. It only makes you love your guy more if you have someone to hate. What makes for a great character? Well, a great character. And, and that's kind of a hard question to answer because or a you have literally memorable character. Because the thing is, in wrestling, you have just about one of everything in the world, right? By now, we've seen so much. Oh, and that's the hard thing, you know? Uh, and not to divert from your, your question, but it's hard to have an original idea at this point. Everybody's doing something, especially now that it seems like every guy that gets into wrestling, no offense, dudes that's listening to this, maybe all offense, whatever. But everybody wants to be, I'm the cool dude, I'm the best dude, look at me, I'm the best at what I do. But everybody's seen that a thousand times. So how are you going to really stand out from the next guy that's wearing the leather jacket and wearing the shades inside of a, a dim room, you know? So when I looked in the mirror and I was getting into wrestling, again, with it being more than booze, I said, well, what am I going to do? Uh, gonna be, uh, and I said, well, you know, you're this big brown island dude that's got tattoos and why not do something different? So I feel that it's memorable because it's different and it's unique. You know, and then not only it's it's different and unique when I go out there, but it also you have to deliver, and you deliver it. That's what makes it special to those fans. Because again, some things like locking those eyes. Um, here lately, it's been uh, it's really caught on, and I don't know why. Because uh, Scott Ali, the guy that you're talking to, gets compared to Maui all the time from the Moana movie, and uh, <laughs> for some odd reason at the wrestling events. You're like, you suck, Maui. I'm like, what? <laughs> so I would turn around. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Well, what would you say except? And they go, you're welcome. I'm like, shut up. And I just get them to shut them down real quick. Um, <laughs> but I guess maybe I look that much like, like Maui. I don't know. But it's sticking in people's minds. So I guess it's in, the, it's in the delivery. And you cannot, and you cannot, and you cannot. I can't stress this enough. Forget about the fans. You have to engage with them. If I go in there and do all the spinny leg flippy thingies in the world and never engage with them, they're not going to remember me. When it comes to that, you talk about being original. I had another wrestler on, John Schuyler, and he said he's got the typical people we've all looked up to. But another thing you want to do, he modeled some of his aspects of, of his character after David Koresh and other people mm -hmm. in, in history that were both famous and infamous. For you, when you were designing the God of War, Tamaku, where did you pick different things from? probably every bit from 1980 to 1989 you know just as a kid uh i remember what was super cool to me and uh you know as wrestling fans typically you don't become a wrestling fan as an adult that that's rare you're usually a wrestling fan from a kid and you just continue it on and hopefully you have a kid and you can bring your kid to that event too and that's something that you could share so i just remembered as a kid like looking at these wrestling like oh my god the undertaker's really dead <laughs> you know or like, you know, the Ultimate Warrior is really a maniac. But then I also thought about all the movies that I watch and what terrified me. Like um, the Halloween movies with Michael Myers and he moves really slow. And you can't stop the guy. And you also, you look at people like Jason Voorhees. And again, very similar characters. So I wanted to bring that type of aspect to where little kids, when they saw that, 
that's what they thought about. And also I'm big and I'm gnashing and all my big movements, Godzilla, right? Everything, like I said, from my childhood, I tried to incorporate into that. And I remember my, my wife and my sister was working my merchandise table. And the very first time I came out, I thought it was very important to have this professional presentation for kids. So I had these designs made and I had shirts made and stickers made and I had a banner made. So whenever you came up to meet me, you felt like you're meeting the real deal, right? Uh, actual professional wrestler. And my uh, sister said to me that the very first kid that was waiting in line, and there's this huge line waiting for me, which is just so awesome that I'm just blown away and, and, and humbled by that idea. But the very first kid that was in line was a little girl. And she said to my sister, he goes, uh, I, I, I can't wait to meet him, but is he mean? <laughs> and I thought about the courage of this little girl that's nine years old that wanted to meet the big scary monster, but she was so intrigued by it. Man, dude, if I never make it to a big company and don't make millions of dollars, whatever, because again, life is about the conversations that you have. Who knows what happens from tomorrow? Um, brother, that's success to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. You are successful already in that respect. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation to my man, Scott. Be sure to give him a follow on Instagram, Savage Tamaku. Part two of our conversation will air tomorrow, July 1st. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story, each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son. <laughs>